Welcome to Change Nation, a program brought to you by First30Days.com. On this episode of Change Nation, learn how to manage your money with financial planner Jonathan Pond. Here's Ariane. Hi, and thanks again for tuning in to Change Nation. I'm Ariane, and today I'm talking to a wonderful financial advice expert. He's also a best-selling author, Jonathan Pond, about his latest book that's now available in paperback called The Boomer's Guide to a Great Retirement. We're going to be talking about how you can save, how to navigate some of these choppy markets, also how to think maybe a little bit differently about retirement, no matter what happens. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you very much. So there's a lot of scary news out there about all types of things, savings, social security. Is there anything positive we can start off on in terms of how to think a little differently about what's what's happening? Well, I find that um, people have really overstated how badly they've been affected by this. Uh, uh, you, you use the word choppy uh, investment markets. That's putting it mildly, certainly. And my sense is if people will learn something from this, which, of course, has not been terribly common in the past, and uh, redouble their efforts, they'll be in fine shape when they get around to retirement. So it's probably not as bad as it feels to you. But on the other hand, we have our work cut out for ourselves, and uh, some of the old uh, saws about cutting your debt, not going further into debt, diversifying your investments, uh, really, really are going to help people survive this. And I hope we'll be able to thrive in the future because of this economy, I like to refer to it as the Great Recession, is we're going to have a recovery unlike anything we've ever seen because historically we have, we have always borne witness, certainly since World War II, to recoveries in the investment markets that more than offset the losses that people sustained. We, we tend to lose sight of the fact that from 2000 to 2002, the stock market was down far more than it is than it was in 2008. And yet we had a, an almost five-year recovery where people were making all sorts of money in, in stocks and their retirement plans at work and what have you. And, and then they sort of had a short memory and probably went overboard in stocks and those people paid a price for that in 2008. Jonathan, I'm always curious about the word retirement. I think the word retirement in this day and age probably puts quite a few younger people off and it's sort of like, oh, this interview, this book doesn't apply to me. What, what is really the definition in your mind of retirement? Is it just buying yourself life and freedom and the ability to do what you want and so it does apply to everyone? It does apply to everyone, Ariane, and it is something that the sooner you start thinking about it, the better off you'll be eventually when you want to retire. Interestingly, in researching the book, I found that most, according to an AARP study, the, the vast majority, uh, over two-thirds of baby boomers did not want to retire early. They didn't really want to retire at normal retirement age. They wanted to retire later, and most of them did not say so because of financial reasons. They simply enjoyed working, they enjoyed their careers, 
and they wanted to continue working. And certainly for those people who are nearing retirement and maybe feel that they've been set back a little bit with this, uh, with the recession and the market declines, uh, just postponing retirement can make a whopping difference. But the fact remains that the best time to prepare for retirement is, is uh, as soon as you embark on your career. It's interesting, and, and I don't think younger people are, are oblivious of this. I gave a speech a few years ago uh, at a university, and I'm going to be giving another one in April, uh, and I'm going to use the same title. The title is Planning for Your Retirement While You're Still an Undergraduate. Uh, when I, when I originally, I envisioned that I said, you know, this is a big risk. I may be talking to, to, to the walls. Well, when I arrived at the scene, this was at Texas Tech, I, uh, there were police there because the crowds were so big. They had a room that sat, I don't know, 300, an auditorium, a small auditorium. They had over a thousand people. So they had to use closed circuit television. Uh, so it, 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 it takes so little when you're younger to set aside money for retirement, to start thinking about retirement. And what it does is it buys you a lot of freedom later on in life. I mean, so you can really let's, decide. Let's jump right into, let's talk about the younger workforce um, mm-hmm. first in this interview. What are things right now immediately that um, they should be doing? Two things primarily. One is uh, to be saving for a house. And uh, what a great time to be a first-time home buyer. I mean, your timing is impeccable to be buying a home, you know, not just in 2009, but over the next couple of years. Mortgage rates are low. Housing prices have, have uh, slumped in most areas of the country. So uh, putting aside some money for a house, because it's going to get tougher to qualify for a mortgage, and you're actually going to have something, uh, Ariane, this is a, a foreign word, I think, uh, you're going to have to have a down payment to buy a house these days, but that's a good thing. And the second thing, and, and arguably more important, is to start putting money away, hopefully in your retirement plans at work and, uh, and maybe uh, contributing to an IRA as well. Here, here's an interesting uh, example. If you start setting aside 10% of your income while you're in your 20s for retirement, by the time you're 65, you will, you will have a king's ransom of money. If you wait until your 30s, that number jumps to oh, almost 20% that you'd have to put away to have the same amount available for retirement later on. And uh, if you're starting from scratch after that, it's even a higher percentage. So the younger you start and just get into that habit of putting some money away regularly, and automatically, so you don't have a chance to spend it, can make a big difference. Even if it's 5%, 3%, whatever, you can get addicted to saving, and you've got to start at whatever level is affordable. Jonathan, I guess the question is, where do you set it aside? I, I know people who are glad they didn't save because they didn't lose the money. Uh, that's, it is, it is uh, common. Uh, one quarter of the people who are eligible and were contributing to their workplace retirement plans have suspended that. But, but you know, the fact is that the people that said they didn't, they're glad they didn't contribute because they didn't lose money, uh, still have less money than those who did. And, and so the, the key issue, without getting too technical, uh, the best place is, is if, if your employer offers a plan 
you should be contributing to your 401k or 403b plan at work, tax sheltered annuity, 457 plan, whatever you want, to, whatever it is, uh, you should be contributing to that. And and you know the way to create wealth is to contribute regularly and to increase the rate you contribute regularly and you'll be on the road to financial security, not only at retirement, but along the way should adversity strike. A part of the problem with workplace retirement plans is that they generally offer primarily stock mutual fund choices, and people spread their money around among the various choices and unwittingly had far too much money invested in stocks and not enough money invested in bonds or stable value funds. And they really got hammered because while bonds were down last year a bit, uh, it was the stocks that really took it on the chin. So it's a question of, first of all, saving, you know, learning to live beneath your means, and then investing those savings wisely, and that means spreading your money around. Um, For folks not, who don't have a 401k, where mm-hmm. is the best place to set aside? The uh, best place would be an IRA. And you can contribute now up to $5,000 into an IRA if you qualify for a Roth IRA, and most people do. The Roth IRA is a great place to start putting money away. And uh, in essence, when you make those withdrawals after retirement, you're going to take the money out of the Roth IRA totally free of federal income taxes. It's a a wonderful opportunity, and $5,000... A year, it's six thousand dollars for people age fifty or better, but uh, that those are those are, uh, are are nice, generous amounts to put money away. And again, you know, here I am being fast and free with everybody's money, Ariane. But uh, you don't. It doesn't mean you have to contribute five thousand. How about uh, twenty-five dollars a week or fifty dollars a week, and gradually build up over time when it becomes a little more affordable. Do you ever recommend people tap into the IRA, their 401k savings, before they retire? Is that an absolute no-no? It's, of course, there are situations where you might want to tap into the plans. Uh, uh, certainly, if you have a real, real financial emergency, you might need to tap into the money. Uh, you can tap into the money on, in an IRA to uh, avert foreclosure. Uh, although when you make the withdrawals, you will have to pay taxes on the money, but you won't pay a penalty. Uh, you can also, um, uh, this is not well known, but if you have a short-term financial emergency, you can borrow up to once a year from any IRA account, and as long as you replenish the money within 60 days, there's no interest or no cost or no penalties or taxes that you'd have to pay. This is Change Nation from the first 30 days. We're going to be right back. Welcome back to Change Nation. I'm Ariane, and I'm speaking with Jonathan Pond about retirement and all types of financial advice. For people, Jonathan, who are a little bit older, um, not even going to grab an age here, but people who are a little bit older, and they are maybe in fear, and they worry, and they think maybe it's too late. What is your message to them? Well, first of all, it's never too late. Uh, I have yet to find anyone in my work over the decades whose situation is beyond hope. Uh, They may have some challenges. They may have to increase their savings. They may have to invest their savings a little more smartly. But, uh, 
it's it's not too late. And many people find themselves in their 40s and 50s uh, pretty much feeling that they're starting from scratch, and 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 that's that's not uncommon. And other people who are 10, 20, even 30 years away from retirement have seen seen all their hard-earned savings or a good portion of it lost in this in this. Uh, 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 market implosion, stock market implosion we've had. So there are a lot of reasons to be dour about your future, but you really need to spend some time looking at where you stand and what you're going to need to do between now and the time you retire to uh, close the gap between what you're going to need and what you now have. And it's not, it's not an overwhelming challenge. It just isn't. And uh, if, you've had, if you've had some bad habits in the past, you can always get, you know, work on them and develop better habits. So let's, I want to get really practical with mm-hmm. some action steps. People hear this interview, they're totally inspired, and they want to go ahead and do something. Three things they need to do. Do they get your book? Do they go it alone? Do they get a planner? Do they call up their bank? Mm-hmm. Do they sit in a room with the people and their family where savings are affected? What do they do? Okay, well, I would hope they would, uh, uh, they would take advantage of the book because it has a lot of information on, uh, on just what we're talking about for, uh, for, for people really of all ages, and it's geared strictly toward the big kahuna in our financial lives, and that's being able to retire. Uh, another item, Ariane, that people should do, and I have some recommended websites in the book, uh, is to prepare a projection of where they're going to stand right now in uh, vis-a-vis retirement. And the projection will show you what you need to do to close that gap, because everybody has a gap between what they'd like to have and what they, uh, what they currently have in, in their, in, insofar as investments and equity in their home and what have you. And the, the, the third thing is, is simply take some action now, but don't, if, if, if the, the, the programs say, well, you need to save an additional $10,000 a year and there's no way you can do that, don't be so discouraged. Start with a smaller amount and gradually in, increase that amount and eventually you, you'll get up to what you need. And I guess finally, if you're, if you're, say, within 10, 15 years of retirement and you find that you don't have the, the wherewithal, uh, there are chapters in the book, but, you know, just to cite things, downsizing your housing, moving to a lower-cost locale in the country, which baby boomers really want to do, or postponing retirement. Here's a good example. I, uh, I use this on uh, one of my public television programs the example, and people didn't believe it, but uh, I've had others check the math, and it's absolutely correct. This hypothetical woman, Betty, was thinking about maybe she wanted to retire at 62, but really liked her job. But she looked at where she would stand at age 62, and then said, well, what if I retire six years later at 68? And all I do between 62 and 68 is contribute to my 401k plan at work. Uh, Well, Betty, if Betty delayed retiring until 68, her lifetime retirement income would be 84% higher than it would have been had she retired at 62. So postponing retirement, retiring gradually, uh, tapering down, 
can can work wonders on on your financial plans if you if you if you feel you're falling a bit short. Do you recommend people get a planner? Do you think they can do this alone? Uh, I happen to think they can do it alone. Uh, I I would be very careful about the kind of planners they would would uh, seek out. And certainly, I think word of mouth recommendation is the best. So, if you have acquaintances, uh, coworkers who uh, have had a, a good experience with a planner, that's fine. Um, and and make sure they have some training in this field. I mean, anybody can call themselves a financial planner. And that said, it's it it doesn't it often doesn't hurt on a one time basis to meet with a planner and see what you need to do to get a get a second opinion as it were and perhaps some guidance on areas that may be of concern to you because it's not just saving and investing it's getting the right kind of insurance at the right price and it's it's preparing for education and paying down the mortgage and getting you know getting your debts paid down so maybe meeting with somebody uh, would be would be efficacious as well. The, the main thing, Ariane, that that I I urge the listeners to be wary of is if the individual starts selling you things, selling you annuities or insurance products or or mutual funds. If they're trying to sell you something, that's not what you want. You want answers to your questions. And there are there are good people out there, but there are also a lot of people that don't belong in the business who are out there too. You've mentioned two things. Do you recommend that everyone has life insurance? Is that an absolute must? And I guess the other one as well is is a will mm-hmm. in terms of just thinking through those things. Uh, certainly. Um, and those are the kinds of things that, are you know, once they're done, they're pretty much done. Uh, I think everybody would benefit from a will. Now, if you're, if you're a single person in your early 20s, uh, that's a lot different from somebody who has a couple of kids and a and a spouse or partner at home, uh, but but even single people, if they die without a will, and maybe they want some of their money to go to a charity or something like that, it's not going to happen. It's going to go to your parents or your your siblings. So um, it doesn't cost a lot to get a will if your financial situation is pretty pretty clean. So do get a will, and if you have children, it's inexcusable. I mean, let me scare the those who who have children and don't have a will uh, generally speaking under most state laws uh, if you die without a will with young children your young children will inherit half of your estate which is exactly what you don't want to have happen so um, so have a get a will life insurance i mean basically you have to look at your situation and say what would happen if i die if you're if you're in your 20s and single and you don't have any dependents although you know your parents could end up being financially dependent on you but if you have no dependents you probably don't need any life insurance beyond what you have in the uh... uh... uh at your place of business second thing if you do have dependents and that's not just children it could be a spouse or a partner it could be parents who might be financially dependent on you you need insurance it's not expensive. I would emphasize term insurance. It's not going to cost you too much. I, I just saw uh, five hundred thousand dollars. If you shop around, five hundred thousand dollar policy for a thirty-five year old, lasting twenty years, would cost less than twenty dollars a month. It doesn't cost a whole lot, and uh, five hundred thousand, maybe a million dollars if you've got a couple of little kids, is enough to, to. Uh, 
prevent a real pro- real tragedy should you should you die and with, with insufficient or absent life insurance. Jonathan, my last question to you: Look at um, two thousand and nine. Are you uh, are you optimistic? I am. Um, I am cautiously optimistic. I think that this is a, certainly a better time to be investing very gradually in stocks. I do know that ultimately the markets will come back and the economy will rebound, but I wouldn't make any major changes in my investments if you're well diversified. Say you have half of your money in stocks and half of it in interest earning securities. So I think better times are ahead. And one point I'd like to make, you know, when the recession is over, when it's announced that the recession is over, it'll be too late as far as the investment markets are concerned, because the investment markets react in anticipation of better economic times ahead. And over the past eight recessions, the stock market has risen over 25%, not in the year after the recession but the ended, but the year that the recession ended. So you need to be prepared for better times ahead and the worst situation you could possibly have is having gotten out of stocks, and I don't care whether you have $3,000 in stocks or $300,000 in stocks, you get out of stocks now and you sit there and, and, and can't figure out when to get back in, and those people tend to miss the rebound, and then they're, then they're in terrible financial shape, not to mention the psychological uh, duress of not only having suffered in the downturn financially, but missing the upturn. Jonathan, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for the wisdom. Thanks for uh, some of these great specific advice that you've given us. Thank you. For more information on Jonathan and his great book, The Boomer's Guide to a Great Retirement, please visit his website at www.jonathanpond.com. That's P-O-N-D in my weird accent, jonathanpond.com. Thanks for listening to Change Nation. For more great interviews, experts, inspiration, please check in with us online at first30days.com. 